In this Climate Gen episode recorded at COP28 in the UAE, I speak with Rabbi Yonatan Naril from Jerusalem about his interfaith work to unite all faiths for climate action. The Faith Pavilion at COP28 aimed to broadcast clear messages to the six and a half billion plus people around the world who identify with a faith. We also discuss how the failing political COP process is leading us into conflict and trauma, made so horribly clear by what is going on between Israel and Hamas. When the temperature goes up, we get more conflict. As calls for peace are amplified, the risk of widespread conflict also increases. Yonatan says this challenges our species to be more spiritually aware and as stewards of the earth rather than destroying it with war and consumption. Thank you to all YouTube and Patreon members for supporting this series which will be running all through 2024. Your support means this work can continue. A reminder that you can also pre-order my book Cop Out, How Governments Have Failed the People on Climate from the link in the notes. Cop Out takes the reader deep into the blue zone to reveal what lies between the rhetoric of world leaders and the scientific realities we are being left to face. Thank you. Jonathan, it's great to see you again. I, I want to start by asking you about the Faith Pavilion, because you mentioned it last year that this was going to be the first time that you have a pavilion for the, for the interfaith or all faith groups. What do you feel it's contributed in your view? Well, we've had 70 sessions with 325 speakers. Among them have been religious leaders, both in person and via videos. So Pope Francis was supposed to come in person and he ended up giving a video address, the Grand Imam of Al-Azhar gave a video address. Sadhguru, one of the leading Hindu religious figures came in person as did Guru Dev Sri Sri Ravi Shankar. So we've had a plethora of, of leading faith voices calling for ambitious climate action. And that itself is an accomplishment. And this has picked up very significant media coverage and I think has, has reached many of the negotiators here at the COP. Okay. And this is all against the backdrop of what is apparently a, a really sort of going <laughs> tilting downwards sort of COP, if you be polite about it. But last year you said something along the lines of when you keep doing something again and again and it doesn't work, it's like a good sign of insanity. With, um, with Dubai looking like it's, it's going backwards rather than forwards, where is that on the... Yonatan uh, insanity measurement scale? Well, you know, for the first time, we're reaching days on Earth where the average global temperature is two degrees Celsius above the world, the historical average, uh, even though that's not happening all the time, but we're starting to see that in, in the graphs fluctuating there. So Earth is sending us a big wake-up call. This was actually an, an a, a abnormally hot December here in Dubai. And so the fact that the Faith Pavilion took place for the first time, I think is a step in the right direction because I, I, I've long said that the ecological crisis isn't just about fossil fuels and decarbonization. It's also about spiritual roots like greed, short-term thinking, and lack of responsibility. And there are also spiritual solutions like caring for other people, long-term thinking, caring for other creatures, and humility. And so the fact that we just had 70 sessions with over a thousand in-person participants and thousands of virtual participants and millions of people reading about it in the New York Times and, and Reuters and other major international news sources. So this is a win. This is, and we need to celebrate this. It, it may not 
mean that the negotiations today are going to lead to some, you know, agreement that we've been waiting for in for for decades. Uh, but but we are starting to see faith communities and faith leaders getting on board for climate action. And how do you feel? Because you're all faiths, really. I mean, it, it's not just um, Jewish faith. It's not Christianity. It's it's all of you. What's the added impact of that sort of melding together of all of you, or united, if you like? Yeah. So this the it runs the gamut from A to Z. We have Anglicans, we have atheists. We have agnostics and we have Zoroastrians. The, the last session, we just had the, the leading Zoroastrian figure on ecology, Mr. Kojeste Mystery. So the diversity of faiths helps to show that this isn't about narrow interests. And, and this is actually a realization that I came to at this COP, and I've, I've been to a number of COPs before. The, the COP stands for Conference of the Parties. The parties are nation states. They're the parties to the agreements. And part of what I've come to realize is that the whole way this is structured is actually leading us to these same sort of failed outcomes because each nation state has its negotiators that come here and they are essentially trying to protect their national interests. And, and so they're, they're trying to just, you know, they're not trying to give an inch and they're, they have their red lines and they're all trying to protect whatever it is they're trying to protect. And, and that in some ways represents the egoism of humanity. And, and as a result, the, the agreements that come out of these conferences tend not to be as ambitious as they need to be. And the follow up and every year emissions go up. So, so by having a faith pavilion, we're actually stepping out of this narrow self-interest of, of sort of, uh, you know, zero-sum negotiations, and we're instead saying, look, we all have a spiritual connection. We all need to protect this creation. And based on our varied spiritual traditions, we actually have a lot of points of commonality, like the importance for humility, for uh, long-term thinking, for simplicity, for finding our pleasure satisfaction in spirituality and family and community. These are principles that go across religious traditions. And therefore, we're trying to sort of raise up this narrative and to change the operating system of humanity. You know, the, part of the, the climate crisis emerges from a much deeper crisis. It's where the operating system of humanity is focused on materialism and consumerism. And so in order to change that operating system, we need religious figures because political leaders and business leaders and even climate scientists are not able to make that spiritual and cultural change, which is so needed at this time. Okay. That's very comprehensive. Thank you. You come from Jerusalem and you're in the midst of a conflict at the moment. And this is kind of impacting everyone as well because it's become such a, like a global conversation. The climate, and we talk a lot about justice and equity in the climate discussion and it seems that the fact that we are having these conflicts of ukraine with israel what do you how do you experience it as being based in jerusalem because i'm in i'm in like the uk or you know, europe and i'm outside looking in through news portals and you're right inside how do you see it in the same sort of context as the sort of struggle for equity and justice and peace at the end of the day well, there are studies that indicate that during 
extreme heat, people become more violent. And this has been the most extreme period of heat in history. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the conflict, uh, that the, the, the Hamas attack began in the tail end of this extreme heat. Now that's not to justify what Hamas did uh, in beginning this war and, and the atrocities they committed, but I do think it's a warning sign in terms of what Earth might look like as we continue to ratchet up the heat on this planet. Because, you know, when people are uh, living on a planet that's going out of balance, it's going to be difficult for humanity to maintain peace. And so, so th therefore, you know, climate change, it's not just about, you know, floods and hurricanes and, and hot days. Climate change is also about missiles and, and Kalashnikovs and RPGs and APCs. You know, it's, it's about what does humanity do when the wheels start to fall off the cart? And in that sense, the wheels kind of are falling off the cart. And I've interviewed um, military leaders and retired generals about this, and you're, you're absolutely right. As climate change gets worse, conflict is set to increase. And that's just an outcome, really. Um, if we take that as a kind of a pretty reliable given, shouldn't we look at the conflict now as something that we've just got to fix urgently and peacefully as soon as possible? I mean, it seems to be ongoing now and getting worse. And I don't know if that's how you see it. Well, yeah. So, so the, the, the war between Russia and Ukraine is now, you know, ending its second year and likely to continue into a third year. Uh, and the conflict now uh, involving Hamas and Israel is now entering its third month. But now there's talk about it widening. I mean, it's, it, there was already some conflict also taking place with Yemen shooting rockets at Israel and Hezbollah in Lebanon shooting rockets. Um, so, yeah, in an ideal world, you know, we, humanity would have the tools to de-escalate and to seek peace. Uh, but as we see with these conflicts, which also have some religious connections, it's not so easy to just seek peace. And, and Rabbi Nachman Abretzlov taught that the conflicts in a family mirror the conflicts between nations. So it, it, sometimes when partners in a family or siblings are fighting with each other, it's not so easy. And, and in fact, the Bible talk, says that the first children of Adam and Eve were Cain and Abel, and Cain killed Abel. So out of that uh, sin of murder, so, so we have this sort of spiritual DNA of violence within humanity. Yeah. And now with climate change, it, as a conflict multiplier, uh, we're essentially being challenged as a species to live at a higher level of spiritual awareness, both ecologically and from a place of, of peace and conflict and coexistence. Okay, and how does this, you, you just talked about it, how does this filter into your community in terms of how do you address it in Senegal? How do you communicate or deal with these issues? Well, you know, I, I, the work I do is interfaith work. Yeah. So this faith pavilion was a collaboration of Muslims, Christians, Jews, Sikhs, Hindus, Buddhists, Zoroastrians, people of indigenous spirituality. You know, I like to say that the other is a brother of a different mother, sister of a different mister. It's not about us versus them. It's about us and them and how we find common cause with each other. 
So, you know, I've been continuing to share that message. Um, however, the, the Hamas attack on, on October 7th uh, generated a lot of, of sort of collective trauma uh, within Israel and, um, and, 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 and sort of the mainstream in Israeli society has, you know, agreed on a, on a, on a military response. So, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to do the work I can to bring peace and coexistence. Um, I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm not a general who's deciding, you know, uh, whether, you know, how long conflict should go on for. And then coming back to where we are right now, what's your kind of, what you want to see come out of this COP and spread more generally around the world? Because the COP, people become cynical about the outcomes of the COP when they don't achieve things. And we've got to somehow get past that. You've talked about spirituality. Can you just enlarge on that just to finish with? Sure. You know, a lot of people think that political leaders will solve the climate crisis. Political leaders guided by good climate science and maybe with the help of business leaders. We've seen now, since this process began in 1988, that political leaders have not succeeded in solving this problem and have actually, we've now gotten to the point where we may be crossing some very serious tipping points. What I'm hopeful about at this moment is to see that some religious figures are starting to really join in the conversation as major influencers, whether it's Pope Francis or Sadhguru or Sri Sri Ravi Shankar or Ecumenical Patriarch Bartholomew or Grand Mufti of Al-Azhar or Chief Rabbi Ephraim Mervis, that, that they're starting to weigh in. Because up till now, a lot of people have thought that religion is one thing and climate change and sustainability are another thing. That, you know, religion is this thing where you sort of focus on theology and liturgy and homiletics and hermeneutics and uh, you know, try to be a good person. And then ecology is this thing that the tree huggers get involved in and the environmentalists and the climate scientists and, and they'll take care of it. But what we've seen is that that's actually not the case. And so what I'm, what I'm happy to see happening now is this rising of a religious ecological awareness. It's what Pope Francis calls ecological conversion. Uh, it's of where the way that a person practices their religion is part and parcel with living an ecologically sustainable lifestyle. You know, the English language doesn't, full, there's no one word that could describe it. You have to call it faith and ecology, spirituality and sustainability. It's two separate ideas. But, but what I'm putting forth is that it's actually one idea. It's, it's this idea that the way that I live as a religious person requires that I act as a steward of God's creation. And that the, the better I am in terms of my sustainable behavior, the better I am as a, a spiritual adherent and as a religious devotee. Okay. And just to underline that, you've named more faith leaders and faith <laughs> I can repeat back to you. But just together, how much of a constituency, how big, how many people are in this interfaith group? It's, it's, not, it's not insignificant. Well, 85% of people on earth affiliate with the religion. So that's 6.7 billion people out of 8 billion people. Religious institutions are some of the biggest institutions of the world. They have huge media networks, huge educational networks, huge land holdings. 
And so one of the things we've seen here at the Faith Pavilion in these 70 sessions has been, you know, some of these religious institutions talking about the leadership that they're showing. The Church of England, the Church of Sweden, the Church of Finland have all committed to being carbon neutral by 2030. That's serious religious leadership, and most people don't know about that. And we're encouraging other religious leaders to, to, to move in that direction and to take on similar commitments. And that's, uh, that runs then through your communities all the way down, okay, up and down, I guess. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much. It's been great to speak to you, as always. Thank you to all YouTube and Patreon members for supporting this series, which will be running all through 2024. Your support means this work can continue. A reminder that you can also pre-order my book Cop Out, How Governments Have Failed the People on Climate, from the link in the notes. Cop Out takes the reader deep into the blue zone to reveal what lies between the rhetoric of world leaders and the scientific realities we are being left to face. Thank you.